Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Matt Ross online. Matt, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I am awesome. Really looking forward to this conversation. A couple of Toronto kids playing around and having a good chat today. So let's share a little bit about you and the amazing work you do. Sure. So I am a hospitality leadership coach, and I'll kind of share a little bit of a story of how did I get here. I've spent my entire career in hospitality. At a young age, I was diagnosed with a learning disability. And in high school, the the guidance counselors basically said, man, we don't think you're going to graduate high school. Um, so with that, I had a little bit of fight in me as, as a young, as a young kid with a learning disability. So I tried to prove my teachers wrong in school, but when it came to work, rather than go do trade work, um, which my stepdad made me do, um, in the summertime, I I went in the hospitality industry and I found this industry that allowed me to develop and grow and support me with or without a learning disability, with or without an education. And after college found myself, uh, working in the industry. Uh, working for suppliers. And then over the last 10 years, I've been very grateful to spend spend all of my weeks, all of my time working with high-performing leaders and leadership teams in scaling restaurant groups. That's awesome. And I always like when I hear stories of people that were told you can't do something and they say, okay, watch me. And they do. And that's inspiring. And I hope everybody listening will pick up on that. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do something. You can. Yes, it might take additional steps, some assistance, some guidance, who knows. But don't don't let people say, no, you can't do that. And let that be uh, the be all end all, especially if you know deep down that, yes, you can do it, then by all means do it. So hospitality is, is definitely an industry that, you know, touches every aspect of life and we may not even think about what it does. You know, you know, we might think, okay, a restaurant, but also accommodations, hotel, travel, you name it, um, you know, customer service, you know, it's, is a, a hospitality business and every business, uh, has an element of that, some better than others, but you know, what are, what are some of the strong points that you've seen in the work that you've done over the years? Uh, that is a common theme of, of successful organizations. What, what are some of the things that they're doing that is allowing them to be successful? Yeah, it's a, a great question. And, and as I think about it, one thing I really love about the hospitality industry, when you look at it, you know, who our core avatar client that we work with is growing multi-site restaurant group. So somebody going kind of from three to 30 locations will work with the big brands, but there's this scrappiness, you know, there's this, this fight. It's not like we went to school to learn to run multi-site restaurants. People usually found hospitality for a reason and they found a passion for it or not, but they thought it'd be a good investment, which if we look at the numbers, not the best investment out there. It's more from a passion project, but we can do great things with this scrappy approach. And then as you, you shared, it's, you know, we're all guests of restaurants at some point, no matter where we visit but it's a people-based business. So I think what I've looked in, in the studies and the coaching that I do, it's the ones that are really scaling and building a sustainable business. And we can all learn from this, whether you're in the restaurant industry or not, is they have this relentless focus to invest in, develop, retain, support their people. 
And it is such a human to human connection business. We're expected to connect with our guests, but if we don't take the opportunity to connect with our people, our frontline staff who ultimately spend their time interfacing with our frontline guests, then we're going to miss the connection. We're going to miss what the experience could be or should be. I love that organizations continue to invest in their people because when they do that, then their people, like you said, it, it helps them stay. And as I'm sure you've seen and heard, and you know, we don't necessarily see it as much from my observation in Canada as we are in the US, but the great resignation. Uh, there's just the number of people that are leaving their roles. And I know the restaurant industry and the hospitality industry really struggled with it because, you know, it, when I'm in the U.S. and, you know, when I travel around and, and talking with friends and family uh, in the U.S., you know, they see help wanted signs everywhere because restaurants and other places are just not able to get people. And, you know, there's many, many reasons why, but you know, what, what are some of the common things you're hearing and just in in the clients that you're working with, if they're dealing with those challenges, but my hunch is if they work with you, they're not facing that challenge as much because they're taking care of their people. So I'd just love to hear your thoughts on that. Yep. And, and over the last, the last 10 years, but we've always spent time on attracting and retaining staff. Um, One thing I say is that COVID didn't create new challenges for the restaurant industry. It really magnified pre-existing issues. So this, this challenge, we, the, the restaurant industry traditionally has had a hundred to 120% annual staff turnover. So we have this, this problem that's for top performing operators. So the challenge exists. The great resignation is very, very real for our industry. But one thing I really focused on through my studies during the pandemic is working with my clients to, to, to think through, is it a mindset? Is it a philosophy issue, a view on what's possible in the market today? Or is it really a foundation or process issue? So what I mean by that is we hear in the media, the great resignation. We read online, the great resignation. We hear there's no staff, but we're both, like said, Toronto, Toronto kids and Toronto boys that are, that are here. We're the fourth biggest city you know, in North America. There are staff. It's just, what is your approach? What is your fight? What is your design to attract people into your restaurant? So if we can shift our mindset to abundance from scarcity, we're still going to have sh- challenges. But I think right now, based on the reality of the market, um, the media messaging, so people are frozen in fear and they're still looking to attract and retain their staff in the same way that they did pre-pandemic. And the reality is the game changed and it changed, I think, in a really healthy and good way if we can stay ahead of it. But I think it's very real for operators. I respect it. We felt it in our business. You know, my companies, we've got a couple of companies, but our wages are up over 22% um, to make sure we can stay relevant in the market. But um, the stat, the Gallup survey stats have always showed when somebody's base financial needs are met, what they want is the opportunity to learn and grow in their roles. And it's the employers, restaurant or not, that provide that opportunity that have a chance to uh, buck the trend. And that's the key. And the 22% increase will basically cover inflation costs if you really look at the true inflation numbers. Yeah. And that's a completely different conversation. And again, that's a pressure point. You know, once people's basic needs, as you said, are met, then it's like, do I have an opportunity to grow? Do I have an opportunity to learn? Do I have an opportunity to have my input? mean something in the organization and be able to work in what I like to call their sweet spot. And as employers and managers and leaders of people, knowing what motivates your employees and designing a workflow that will 
make them feel in many ways like they're not working uh, is a, a, is a wonderful thing. But the, the key mistake that I see happen sometimes to organizations is they do that and then they think, okay, well, we've done it. Okay, check that off. Okay, we don't have to do that anymore. So, no, this is an ongoing conversation because the needs of your employees today are definitely different in many cases than they were two years ago. You know, normally and you know, pre-pandemic times, two years would be like, eh, not a big deal. But based on all the traumatic experiences and changes that we've seen in the world over the last two years, things have shifted. And like you said, you know, I think it's a, a healthy situation too, where I don't want to say necessarily the power has shifted a bit, but it has in a way where employees you know, are being a little bit more choosy in where they want to work. And I think that ties into work-life harmony, preventing burnout, stress, all the things that I know, in, in especially in the hospitality industry, is very, very challenging because I've seen it. Customers aren't the nicest people in the world. And it frustrates the hell out of me when I see it because this person that's waiting on me, if I'm in a restaurant, is serving me. They are taking my order, putting it in, bringing the food out, drinks, all of that. They're serving me. They're helping me. I am one to thank them for that and tip generously and all that other good stuff. It's it's one of those things that I see people treat people differently if they're in you know, a service industry type of thing. And it frustrates me to no end. And but yeah, so you know, like I said, you know, with the industry. Having people have a choice and they go, is this a healthy environment to work in is definitely going to be one of those things people ask in addition to what's your benefits, what's your compensation and all of that. 100%. Yeah, and I think like the, if I'm, say I'm a manager or leader looking to join a restaurant or, or any company right now or a frontline staff person in a retailer, and I'm also hearing this messaging that most restaurants or retailers are short-staffed and there's a challenge. So I'm, I'm expected to go work somewhere for slightly more pay, but possibly do the job of two or three people. So if I can't see through that, if I can't see through, and again, we know that people join leaders. They don't necessarily always join the brand that's outside the restaurant, but they, they really join the team when they make that decision. So do I trust this person to create an environment where I can be successful in my position? And that could be a university student who just wants to make some money and put themselves through school, or it could be somebody who depends on the restaurant industry as a staff member or manager to support their, their life. And, but the one thing we want is balance to make sure it's a fair exchange. And I made I remember making a mistake as an employer seven, eight years ago where I, I walked into a meeting um, with my team and we were growing at such a rapid rate, but I looked around this big boardroom table, so excited with the number of people there, but their, their eyes were dark, their hands were in their face, they were upset. And I made a commitment you know, seven, eight years ago that I, it wasn't a fair exchange. I took advantage of that situation and I need to learn as the leader that I need to make sure to get capacity matched with compensation. If I don't have capacity match with compensation, um, capacity becomes irrelevant over time. And you can continue to raise your wages, wages, but it might not prevent the revolving door. Yeah, I've seen it happen where they say, okay, we're giving everybody uh, this bonus or this, and you still have the turnstile. And especially in hospitality, the percentages that you mentioned, you know, over 100% turnover. And I worked for a healthcare organization many, many years ago. And I went in, it was their third year in existence. In the previous two years, they had on average 83% turnover. This is not 
a fast food restaurant or retail. This was a healthcare entity. And in that situation, I knew exactly what was going on. I knew it was going in because I knew people that had worked in that organization prior. And I you know, basically had some insight as to what was going on and went in and it's like, okay, we're going to change the tone of how things are done here. And one year later, that 83% turnover turned to 6%. Six. Six. Wow. Yeah. Think about the, the savings to that, to that, like the, the high, I think the biggest expense not measured on a PL is turnover. But think about the cultural benefit of, of going from, even if you went down to 50 or you went from 83 to, to 63, like the financial ROI, the cultural ROI, that's, that, that's an incredible story. And, and it was it was fairly simple. It was basically met with everybody on the team, figured out what motivated them, yeah. figured out what I could do to help make sure they have everything that they needed to do. Their job is to the best of their ability. And I got out of their way. And I said, you know where to find me. Here's here's all my information. This is when I'm available. This is when I'm not. And here, if there's an emergency, here's this. Here's the list of what qualifies as an emergency. Now we can always amend that list, but the the more clear you get on it, it it, it, it eliminates the confusion. And many times in organizations, that's the biggest thing is communication in confusion of, okay, what are we supposed to do in this situation? And once you get past that and everyone knows where things are, it just makes things easier. In a restaurant, it's like you're a cook or a chef. You want to make sure all of your ingredients and your tools and everything are where they're supposed to be. So you don't have to search. You can get into a flow and a rhythm. And I've seen it. I've looked into kitchens and watched you know, the, the crew back there. And I could tell the really good restaurants, they're moving. And you know, it's like and they're and they're just enjoying it. They're and they're creating something. And that's uh, as simplistic as it sounds. It's like they're creating something from nothing. They got a piece of paper or a digital screen says, okay, make this type of pasta. Okay, great. So they get everything together and they put it on a plate, they serve it and all of that. So it went from an idea or a concept or a request to a deliverable in a relatively reasonable period of time. Something that tastes really good. I enjoyed it. It was a wonderful experience. And then I frequent that place again and recommend it to friends and, and all of that. And it boils down to is, you know, make sure that your team has everything that they can do to be really successful. That flows through all the way down to the customer experience. The customer experience goes, wow, this is amazing. Then they're calling you because like, we're so busy, we need to open up more locations because we've got to line up out the door and our reservations are booked through August. And and it's because they're taking care of their team. Yeah. And it is, I think the there's so much that you shared there. And even if we we go back to the process that you followed with your team in healthcare, you took time. To, to, to sit with people and hear them and support them. Like, I, I hope the audience hears that, right? There's so much, what I love about the way that you communicate is your simplicity and your communication, but there's powerful in just the, in those interactions. And what, what I feel, what people want right now, based on what we, and this is just my experience, what we've gone through through the pandemic is to be seen, valued, and heard. And then when we go into a work environment, we talk about the, the restaurant operation creating that great experience around a plate of pasta, that's a process. So once we get our people right and 
engaged and seen and valued and heard and contributing and growing because that's all the human element of it then we can you know we can provide a service experience just like we produce the plate of pasta in the back of house but it is that's a process driven by consistent human behavior but i think you shared something you said i i sat with people and listened to what what they wanted and needed i know your language is a bit different so apologize about the the quote there but if we just do that in a simple with all of our leaders and managers and i've had some of the people i coach they matt where do i find the time for that i say completely understand how you feel but what's the what's the benefit if we do and what's the risk if we don't and it's just trying to shift our mindset around it and i, I think you said that employees have the power and i agree that's not necessarily a power shift but they definitely have the leverage that's one of the word that I use in the restaurant industries. We have in Canada right now, we have a seven and a half percent shortage of jobs. So seven and a half percent of jobs are vacant right now. So yes, the, the, the employee does have leverage and we have to approach them differently. And again, it's all mindset and language. We can see that as a problem, a challenge, a gap or an opportunity. And what, what I, and I'm not trying to be cheap, I just change language to change. I really do believe you know, our team, we just hired, we hired for multiple roles. We had over a hundred resumes per role and we're finding great candidates, but we've changed the way that we approach and talk to the candidates right now and what they want and need. And by doing that, you'll have somebody that will stay because there's yeah. been, and I, and I go back to my career in IT. I was in IT for a long time, finance. I've done all kinds of stuff. No wonder I have no hair. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I worked in IT during the dot-com buildup in the late 90s. And it was an absolute zoo as far as getting phone calls from recruiters, including recruiters that had placed me into an organization. They called six months later and said, so how you like it? Well, good. It's a good place. Yeah. Well, we, we've got a better job for you. And I'm like, Huh? It's like it's like we're what? And it was because there was such a shortage of IT personnel that they were just paying, you know, top dollar to get people that had any experience. And you know, I took advantage of that on a couple occasions, but finally I just I told one of the recruiters like I like it here. I've got a lot of flexibility. The boss is great. I'm learning a lot. We're growing. It's a startup. It's startup zaniness, you know. So there's some sometimes crazy hours and you know a lot of work and travel and all of that. But I'm having the time of my life. So I don't want to leave this. And I stayed with that organization for almost four years, which in an IT speak was like 400 years. It was just not normal at that time for somebody to stick around that long. But I did because it was a, an amazing boss, an amazing organization. It allowed me to really grow personally and professionally and had the autonomy to basically do my job. You know, And, yeah. that, and when, when you give people those tools, they get to really shine. And, and, and a lot of times you see the really good people. And I know you see this too. Yeah. Those people that feel that confidence that I can take on the world and I have control of my job and I take ownership in this, they are looking for ways to get better. They improve. And, yep. you know, of course, the organization can you know do other things too with professional development opportunities and all of that, but they take it on themselves to say, okay, what? how can I do this better? You know, maybe if I use... In the kitchen, I'm going to use this paring knife instead of this one, or I'm going to put my paring knives over in that drawer because I seem in the flow of me turning around that it's a little further away. If we can do something here, that'll save me maybe 30 seconds. 
30 seconds is like 30 years in the restaurant business. You know, that's key. So getting, getting those plates out there and getting the, you know, tables turning over because that's how restaurants make money. So again, you know, creating an environment for people to be able to do what they want and, and do it to the best of their ability. That's when you see magic and it's, I look at it in awe because I'm I'm a systems guy. I like flow. I like seeing things really flow well and everybody have everything they need. And if an issue comes up, you look at it and say, okay, is there an opportunity to improve something to make it easier for everybody involved? If there is, let's do it. And and you roll it through. And again, that's that's how you see the successful places. And again, you know, that's when they start growing and they're like, hey, maybe we should open up another location. And next thing you know, you know, it's possible. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, what's, I guess, you know, in, in wrapping things up, you know, sure. where do you see the hospitality, hospitality, excuse me, industry uh, going in the next few years? Now, again, that's a loaded question because we're still yeah. kind of on the hopefully tail end of a pandemic, but then we also have some world issues and, and a variety of other things. But, you know, where do you see things going in the next few years? So, and I, I think like one of the stats that came out at the start of the pandemic was across North America that 50% of restaurants would close during the pandemic. And I thought it was kind of a fear-based statistic. I thought it was very strategical by the restaurant associations, but it is, it is coming true. So I think what we'll see, and we've seen this before. So I take my clients through, like we've seen these patterns through no smoking. We've seen it through the financial crisis, nothing like COVID, but we've seen some pretty challenging trends. So I think the market will contract and then, and then it will rebuild itself. And I think this is a natural process that we've seen occurring if we can go back through the last 50 years and see uh, similar patterns in in certain timeframes. So I think we're going to see some contraction. And I think when we see that in every major city across North America, that's where we'll see these entrepreneurial startups. We'll see these new brands start. We'll see these new multi-site restaurant groups grow. And we'll see these incredible you know, new businesses and, and scaling businesses start to grow again and create new opportunities. So it's almost like the seasons. I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins. And he always says, winter is coming. I mean, it's a season of winter in business. And are you prepared for it? So right now, a lot of clients I work with, they are very well, You know, they've got great cash flow and they're hunting right now. Um, and it's unfortunate. I, I got in this industry because I, I had moving from the beer company to working as a coach and consultant. I worked for Anheuser-Busch. I saw great people lose their businesses and that's why I made the shift. So I don't want to see anybody lose their business, but I also hope that we learn something from it. Those that remain and those that replace, um, I think we will thrive again. I think, I think there will be a boom on, on the other side of this. I didn't expect we'd be here. I'll be honest, I, I made some mistakes in my judgment of the impacts of the pandemic, as I think probably most of us did. But I think we're a 36-month trend to, to really see the thriving health. And I would say the U.S. is 12 months out of Canada, somewhere between 9 and 12 months in my experience. Yeah, it's typically what I've noticed, too, in certain places and industries, and of course, in the States, being as dynamic as it can be. You know, there are certain areas that do better than others, but ultimately... <laughs> You know, tragedy creates opportunity and restaurants will close, but new ones will open and they'll take those opportunities and, and provide, you know, a stellar experience for their customers and the community and then have all types of opportunities for growth. And that's that's what we want to see in every industry, not just in hospitality, but every industry to provide opportunities for growth because it benefits society when we all get to grow 100%. that way. So, so, man, I love this conversation. Where can people find out more about you and this awesome work you do? 
Um, the great place to check me out is mattrolf.com is our website. It'll talk about all about the coaching that I do, the speaking that I do. And we have a bunch of value-based um, solutions that you can download for free on our site. If you're a leader in the restaurant industry or not, you may see value. Uh, LinkedIn, to find me on, on LinkedIn at, at Matt Rolf. Um, we put out five videos a week on LinkedIn. Um, so one a day during the work week and a bunch of other industry-based content or leadership-based content um, have a pretty large following there. And the book behind me is our new book. You can find it on Amazon. You can't do it alone. If you're a leader in the restaurant industry or a leader just basically in overall retail, uh, might be something you want to check out. We've had great feedback and uh, really excited to see the book continue to grow and spread. That's awesome. I'll definitely have that information in the show notes. So Matt, thank you again for you. being you and for the amazing work that you do. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.